All right, welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Sano, joined, as always, by the Martin Lawrence to my Will Smith. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Oh, damn. What was it like to get uh, first billing on Bad Boys 1 uh, over Will Smith? How cool is that? You know, I feel like I earned it with my hit show, Martin. All right, and our very own Joey Pants. That's right. It's Eric Ronovic. Eric, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. I thought you were going to make me Fat Martin. <laughs> Martin Lawrence from the new one. Yeah, well, he's he was uh, you know character actor. He really gained weight for the role, and you got to. I, I was expecting you to immediately start yelling at us and saying that we were incompetent and that we were killing far too many people in the making of this podcast. And maybe we should have made him. That's ta- all Joey Pants does. Yeah, yeah I should have made him tail Leone. Uh, I'll say this, <laughs> Michael. Michael Bay sucks. Almost all of his movies suck. This one is um, the second or third best one. Uh, it's like it's like this and The Rock. The Rock is good. That movie's awesome. I mean, those, mostly those because of Sean Connery. Where, well, those are the ones where um, it's dumb, and he does Michael Bay stuff that's dumb and not very good. But I just feel like he couldn't go too nuts with the explosions yet because he just wouldn't give him the budget for it. And, and so like, the dumb wasn't dumb enough to ruin the movie. And I, I get why, like, you really saw it, too. I get why the Transformers movies exist, but I don't want to watch them. And then I'm sure there, there's somebody who's really Eric. Are those really cool? You like Transformers? No, they're awful. <laughs> uh, Bumblebee is watchable. And the first one is cheesy, campy. OK, but I will say this. I, I would say the exact same thing, Kevin. Uh, up until Six Underground, I was like mildly offended by Michael Bay, but not like uh, not like not like um i was like willing to like you know like be like you know what these movies are for someone that's not me this they deserve to exist but uh then i just i watched six underground and now i have i have no respect for michael bay and hate him completely that movie is the worst movie we're doing like a beginning of podcast movie club here but i just want to say uh six underground is like somebody made a parody michael bay movie and then you look it up and it's like no michael bay made that parody michael bay movie yeah, it's, it's just um, the ultimate mailing it in effort. I think my favorite thing is someone I'm friends with reviewed the movie on uh, Letterbox, and he said the entire dr- soundtrack screams "Imagine Dragons said no." <laughs> wow. All right. Well, this is going to be a rough transition because I just made Kevin laugh really hard. But we're going to go straight into uh, Tavares Jackson, the legendary Seahawk uh, and Minnesota Viking, died in a car accident this week. Uh, yeah, he is. It was. Um, it sucks because he had the uh, the domestic violence issues a few years back, and you thought, okay, that's bad. But then he had started to turn his life around. He'd been coaching again, gotten into coaching, which seemed like a good spot for him because he was, you know, mentor, a good mentor, quarterback for for Russ, and did yeah, a lot. Quarterbacks coach at Tennessee State, which is a really cool place to kind of get a start. Yeah, so it seemed like he was really turning around and, and getting on track, getting into coaching. Probably would have been in the NFL as a coach eventually, but uh, cut short too soon. Uh, so, what's your guy? Let's just go with this. What's your guy's favorite uh, Tavares Jackson memory? Uh, I'll start with you, Eric. Um, you know, I'll go with my expectations of Tavares. Uh, I wasn't expecting a lot when he came here. I was hoping he would do something. This is, you know, before we had Russ. Um, seeing him play a snap, uh, or like you know, playing the end of the Super Bowl in our forty-three-eight route of Denver, um, he didn't really get to do much, but it kind of summed up uh, Tavares as a Seahawk. This guy came in with some uh, some pretty lofty expectations uh, as a quarterback, as a start in the NFL, where you know Pete Carroll wanted to replace the best quarterback in Seahawk history leading up to that point in Matt Hasselbeck. Um, we probably weren't going to win a whole lot with him, but we were going to be a run first team. Uh, it was it was good to see him play in the Super Bowl. It was it was good to kind of close that chapter as a Seahawk. Um, that's probably my my favorite memory of him because I remember seeing him and being so elated during that game, and then just being like, "Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's fitting. I'll take it." All right, Kevin. So, in the 2011 season. My memory is a theme, and that is our our top two wide receivers were Sidney Rice and a very young, very young, gilded Tate. And I just remember that feeling that every time Tavares Jackson 
would pop back off play action. It didn't matter how open the receiver was or how covered the receiver was because it was always a 50-50 ball. Just having to sweat out every deep pass and like the elated feeling of when they were complete. It was it, it might have been good for us. It might have been bad for us, but it was going to be an entertaining pass. Yeah, I just remember it, like him throwing to to young Dunk Baldwin, and like just I don't know. I just remember how like crazy Doug Baldwin was. Like, I, I mean, he he never really shed that, but <laughs> when he when he was wearing, I think he wore fifteen his rookie year, right? And uh, just just remember those those plays and the, those old uniforms, and I don't know that there, there's something really endearing about that team that went a turning went, point. Yeah, right. It was like a. It was like seem. It it seemed like they weren't great. You know, they were just okay. But like, the the team seemed to be like turning back around from that Jim Mora, which who was just a disaster, just disaster. So yeah, and I agree. Um, taking the knee, the three handoffs, and then the incomplete pass in the Super Bowl. That's a. That's pretty awesome. It was just really exciting at that point to just be like, whoa, Tavares in the game. Like we were up forty three to eight. Like this is pretty, this is pretty sweet. Coming full circle. Yeah, so that's yeah, I agree. All right, um, then in other Seahawks news, Jadavian Clowney watch continues. Still, no signs of Jadavian Clowney uh, in a Seahawks uniform at this point. Eric, have you given up hope yet? <laughs> no. Uh, at some point, Jadavian, I don't know. Like, I'm always kind of wondering, you know, putting myself in the shoes of the player. I don't know. Like, is he really going to get this big monster deal? I mean, you never know what stupid team is going to come in. But at this point, it seems like he wants the max money, which I totally get. Um, but I don't really think he cares so much about winning at this point, unless you think that there is some uh, competitive team that is just going to have a lot of money all of a sudden. Let's not forget the Yannick Ngakwe is still out there and people are trying to acquire him. I, I just don't really understand this by Clowney, but again, we don't know the firm offer that Seattle gave. So who knows what's fair, you know? Yeah. And if the Seahawks didn't give a clear deadline or they gave a really late deadline, like they said, Hey, you have until one day before the draft, right? We want to know 24 hours before the draft, if you're coming back or not at that point, our offer will be gone. I think that, you know, that does make a difference, right? Like they, they, if they said something like that, like, Hey, you get a, going to wait until one day after then yeah he's going to wait the maximum amount of time that he can before he makes a decision to to throw that offer in the trash for good and at this point it's hard for me to see him coming back it does kind of screw us over because we could work our way back onto the right side of the compensatory calculation if we if he signed a big deal somewhere else but you know whatever if patience gets him paid the way he wants that's great and if it doesn't, then I will, and we don't end, and he doesn't end up on the Seahawks, I will be very frustrated because it's, it's just a situation that seems to have gotten away from us a little bit. And I think in a, in a world of no coronavirus, to be honest with you, that he'd already be somewhere, whether that's here or elsewhere, because I think that that uncertainty gives him the ability to say, hey, well, people are just waiting to see if they can get a guy in the draft or to see what else pans out or whether dominoes fall. And someone's going to come at the end of free agency, have a bunch of money left over and say, why not Jadavian Clowney? And maybe that's true. I don't know. Maybe he's right. There's a lot of uncertainty right now. So, Kevin, what do you think? Yeah, I'm in a similar spot. I think that teams are worried because they can't have him go through the process of the physical now. And what a team doesn't want to end up doing is – they don't want to sign him, not draft an edge player, and then end up with nothing if he doesn't pass the physical on the contract. I think that's one of the big holdups for him. And so I think that you know teams are talking about Tennessee, maybe uh, Indy, who might be pursuing him. I think those are teams that might not want to sign him until after the draft because they're going to have to wait and see. They're going to have to wait and find out whether or not uh, they have a different answer to that same question. I think Clowney's finding himself in a situation where frustratingly for him, he's a plan B as a pass rusher. And yeah. so if we're asking him to sign before the draft, then I think there's a really good chance that we do end up walking away with him. But 
if we're going to let it go until after the draft, I think there's other teams that have more money out there. And honestly, at that point, I would rather we go after someone like Griffin just to make sure that we have that player on roster as opposed to waiting and being left holding the bag. Yeah, I, I am. Um, I'm of the opinion that there's no way the Seahawks are not signing uh, edge rusher. They're not, they're leaving with Griffin or Clowney or trading for Ngakwe or Cl- uh, Carlos Dunlap, something like that. There's no, there, there's very little chance to me that they're not addressing edge with a, with a proven veteran as opposed tend to, to agree. trying to get um, a rookie in here, especially when you dig into this year's edge class, it's not a bunch of guys who really uh, light, the the world on, light the world on fire. And fit. it's either one or the other, like they're like really good or they're like a mediocre scheme fit. Um, like, and another thing too, is a bunch of guys that I think like looked really good. Didn't do the three, the, the, the famed three cone drill. Uh, Pete Pete's favorite so you can't you can't know like how much does he really like Jonathan Garvin Terrell Lewis or yet your gross mottos I'm not sure because they didn't do a three cone drill and I'm telling you if you you got to run under 7.1 on that to be a Leo for the Seahawks they're obsessed with that drill you, you know Pete Carroll the man loves three things loves chewing gum loves a good cornerback kick that kick slide like like a low three cone time on an edge rusher yeah. he's a simple man you got to run that you got to run that three cone quick if you want to play edge in the for the Seahawks. Yeah, if you're not under 72, you better be able to play three tech on some snaps. They, Maybe this will they, help him evolve in the way he does things cuz you know he was like, "Oh man, we're going to have to do this during the pro day." And then this happened and he's like, "Oh, John, what do we do?" John's like, "You know what? We're going to figure it out. We're going to grow." Yeah. Ooh, I like it. The, some some Pete new... sadly stuffs the tape measure into his pocket and no, they got to measure. Yeah. Don't worry. He doesn't, ever... he doesn't put it away. He stuffs it in there so he can he can try and do something while no one's looking. Yeah, this this it's like I hey I measured all their arms. Don't worry. He's in Zoom <laughs> conferences. He's like, did you get the tape measure we sent you? Can you show me how long your arms are? You got to use our tape measure though. We don't trust your tape measure. Other people <laughs> are worried about those electronic time forties. Uh, you... Pete's like, got pull out. You got pull out our tape measure. Did you... Did your did your uh did your did your arm make it to the thirty three inch mark? There's no thirty three. There's just a picture of a Seahawk's head <laughs> right there at thirty three inches. Did you get past that? <laughs> it just says compete in bold letters. <laughs> it says it says I'm in, but you got to get past the thirty three inches to, to to touch it. So otherwise, you're not in. <laughs> you're not. That's in. how that works. Um, yeah. All right. Yikes. <laughs> Uh, so the Seahawks made also made three uh, small roster moves this week. Malik Turner uh, left in a, the Seahawks. He dropped uh, once, off the roster. That's my that's my uh, my favorite memory of him. He was the one of the best dancers in Seahawks history. Uh, great videos of him on YouTube, uh, dancing and team meetings and stuff like that. The fun stuff that Seahawks love to do. Um, worst memory, obviously, dropping the pass in the Green Bay game, killing the drive, and then ending up us getting a loss. Uh, although the defense did have two chances to stop on a third down after that. So it's not just him. It's uh, other people too. It's just a lot of him, <laughs> but, but that was probably the single most frustrating play. It was, it was that. And then I, um, who is the DB who didn't get back over uh, on Carter. the route to Devante? Was that Shaquille Griffin? Oh, no, was. I'm forgiving Shaquille all the time. No, you're supposed to have help uh, inside. Oh, Okay. And I can't well, either, think of who it was who was supposed to either be way, there. It's kind of busted play. Uh, all right, it doesn't matter. I don't want to relive that game. I'm already irritated enough with my life. Uh, <laughs> uh, distance learning is not. Uh, hey, now you're a distance learning teacher. Something we've never trained you for is not kind of my uh, my favorite thing to to hear. So Dude, on the bright side, these like twelve to twenty Zoom meetings a week are really really relaxing. Yeah, no, not perfect. No, not. Uh, okay. <laughs> Seahawks also uh they they signed a couple players. Wait, did oh, they sign this two players? No. We have we have one that is relaxing. As a matter of fact, it's so relaxing, it's easy. Oh yeah, they re-signed easy. Nico Thorpe. Uh Seahawks the Thorpedo. special teams captain. Mm-hmm. Uh he's a NCAA national champion. Don't ever forget it. Uh he was the number That's one the headline cor- of every article. NCAA a, champion Nico Thorpe resigns. He's a number. He was the number one corner on that team with Cam Newton. That I was completely it. carried by Cam Newton. Yeah, 
I mean, it would, if you look at that roster, there's like two other players who kind of made it, and every everyone else is just like a like a role player, like Nico or or not in the league. It's like a, like Cam's uh, team. It's like those Motown bands, you know, like Martha and the Vandals, such and such, and the whatever. Like it, it was I Cam did. Newton and the people Cam Newton's dragging to a national guy. title. <laughs> You know what? It's a really good team. Cam Newton did not lose a lot of football games before he got to the NFL. I'll tell you what. Um, okay. Finally, the last rest remove. Uh, Seahawks brought uh, bringing back to compete for an interior offensive line spot. They brought back Mikey Potty. Uh, excuse um, me. Pro Bowler Mikey Potty. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> he scored a 60.1 PFF rating last year, which is the lowest possible rating that you can call average, according to their rating system. And average is about how I feel about it. A mix of good plays and bad plays. But the game that sticks hardest in my memory was the dumpster fire he had against the Rams last year. So it's probably kind of unfair a little bit because that he had five, uh, f- he allowed five pressures. He, uh, gave up three penalties, a couple for first downs. I or that, that took away first downs. I just didn't did not have a very good game in that game. And he went against Aaron Donald, so you can't really blame him. But that well, was I will uh, say, Jabarco came in and had a good game after that against Aaron Donald. Yeah, so I mean, it was it just a very frustrating uh, uh, game in general. I have a take on this. I think I want to run by you guys. I think is interesting. Okay. So we heard a lot about how Yupati was coming off of an injury and how he was recovering. Um, from his season with Arizona. So after the bye, Yupati in the last six games, five out of six games, he graded over 70, according to PFF, and three out of the last six, he graded over an eight. What what do you guys think are the odds that he was still recovering from injury at the beginning of the season? Kind of rushed back, and it took until after the bye for him to really find himself. That's possible. I mean, I can, I can dig it. I don't think he... Like I said, I don't think he's that that bad. I'm I not think... going to count on him for anything above like C minus play, but I think there's a potential to get some C plus B minus work. Yeah, I think that's fair. Like, you know, if he's a solid B minus for the season, that would be that's huge. a sizable upgrade for us. Yeah, we would. That's what we we don't need a pluses on the offensive line. We need like B B minuses and C pluses because we've been getting an F minus from a Fetty and to be honest, inconsistency everywhere else where someone's an F minus in almost every game. So it's just a, just a, a rise in consistency is going to make the whole group a lot better. The thing that's tough is these guys aren't going to get to work together in the offseason. And I do think that's part of why they brought you potty back is that that's my opinion is that there's a consistency thing you want to have across the line. Communication is very important. And if they bring back four out of the five guys, you know, four out of the five guys next year, starting the, the first game are Dwayne Brown, uh, DJ Fluker, Justin Britt, Mikey Upati, and right tackle to be named later. That made Brandon Shell. But f- so four out of the five guys are the same. That's going to matter to to teams. Teams are going well, to take time to get up I never knew speed. what the hell was going on anyway. So right. well, yeah. sometimes when you sometimes when Postage was next to him to speak Southern to him, it worked pretty good. But <laughs> other than I, that, you're right. I think you're 100 percent right on that, Nathan. I mean, this is that's one edge you can have is bringing back uh, synergy. In a, yeah, in a continuity, yeah. continuity on the O line and defensive backs are the most important places to have it. And as for Kevin's point, I think that's the the best way to look at this. Kevin uh, Ayupati is forty seven years old, so I don't really know how much healing he has left to do. But um, it's, I think it's a, it's a fine signing. It's fine. It works. Yeah, it's one All year right. low money. That's very important yeah. for this. Yeah, okay, you guys. Uh, so then, yeah, I think it's fine. I, like I, the always compete life mentality that Pete tries to bring in makes me always think like signings like this is is fine. There's no downside because he is willing to walk away from a guy if he's not competing, and he's more than willing to let the best guy win. We saw his the Russ's rookie year, right? Russ beat out the the expensive veteran, and he'd put Russ on the field anyway. He didn't care. So the fact that he's willing to kind of you know make that those tough decisions, I think, is a uh, it's a good sign for any signing like this. And, you know, it means that they can still bring in guys from the draft. It's not the end of the line for interior offensive line, even though we have a ton of interior offensive lines and linemen in this draft. If we cut Brit, that opens up a spot at center right away that people are going to be competing for. It's going to be, yeah, po- it could be Finney Posich, Finney Posich and, you know, offensive lineman X from the draft kind of thing. So I wouldn't give up completely on, you know, 
the uh, the interior offensive line. Speaking of which, this is the interior offensive line episode. So you ready? You guys ready to hear about some uh, guards and centers? About some beefy boys. Yeah, some big, mimi big boy. All right, let's. Yeah, your uh, mom's just jealous. We got the beefy boys. Okay, let's start off with uh, interior offensive linemen that have a chance to get taken in round one. Kevin, uh, what this is? We are at pick twenty-seven. How many guys do you think can get picked in round one? How many guys do I think can or should? Either. I think it's one. Uh, can one center Cesar Ruiz out of Michigan? Should zero. And I'm leaning that way too, although I do think Cesar Ruiz is a really borderline one two prospect for me. The more I watch him, the more I he's right on the line. He's one of those guys where I'm like, uh, if we pick him at 27, but if we pick him at like 33, I'm like, yeah, he's a little language. He's a little under on height weight, but he ran the short shuttle in four, six, four. He got a 33 inch vert, nine foot, five inch broad jump, which is a lot. That trench explosion formula, 3.247, which you're looking for over a three. Yeah, he's he he was explosive. Um, He's not as big as I think the Seahawks would like, but he's close enough. The Seahawks like 6'3", he, w- he came in at 6'2 and a half. The Seahawks like 3'10", he came in at 3'07". I think it's close enough that the Seahawks would make it an exception on those that it's not because the trench explosion formula is good. This is He's the also only- 20 years old, so he can add a little size. Yeah, this is the only interior offensive lineman I could see the Seahawks going for at the uh, beginning of round or end of round one or if they trade back a little bit, the beginning of round two. Uh, Kevin, are you a big Cesar Ruiz fan or, or not? Yeah, I think Cesar Ruiz is a – I think he's scheme versatile. He's probably the only center in this draft that I feel could play uh, well in a zone-blocking scheme or a, like, gap scheme. So for that reason, I think that he's a prospect who's likely to go kind of early. He's just – he kind of just does everything really well. He's very mobile. He's a powerful puller. He's a second-level mauler. He has uh, the ability to – like, he's a really heads-up player. He picks up blitzes really well. I think he's very good. 11-inch mitts, which is, gives him the ability to grab onto guys. Um, reminds me of, like, a – First baseman mitts. Reminds me of, like, Marquise Pouncey, like a Pouncey kind of um, – just the way he's going to grab onto a guy and just not let go. Um yeah, good length. Uh, I think he could play guard, but it would be uh, something that he would want to let his body develop first. I feel like playing him at guard would be a little bit of a waste. It's like you can either have a good, like a really good center, or like an above average guard. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it looks really good in pass sets too. I would, he would be a, uh, a interior stopper if we were trying to stop Aaron Donald or some of the other good defensive tackle talent in the division. This guy is a guy who could stand up to that. Wouldn't hate the Seahawks taking him at 27, come in and compete for that center job, especially if we need to cut Britt to make room for Clowney or uh, or uh, you know any other defensive t- defensive end talent that we we need. That's just kind of the the price that it's going to take to get one of those guys. So Eric, you you okay with Caesar Ruiz in, in round one or uh, maybe uh, no. a slight trade back? No, no you're I out. Have a, I'm another guy I'm circling, but not even in the first round. Like this is second round position for me. So you'd rather see that first round go to a different position group? Yeah, or, I mean, let's be honest, it's the Seahawks. Uh, This this position position could be our first pick, but early in the second round. All right. So so Cesar Ruiz is the guy. Um, Now let's go to kind of like second slash third round guys. So what are some second and third round guys that have caught your eye, Kevin? Okay, so if I'm looking uh, in that late two or third round, uh, I think there's a glut of... I think there's a pair of centers that I really like there. Um, And if we go all the way back into like late third round, I think there's four centers to consider and three of them I like. Um, At guard, I think this is um, a really deep guard class. It rounds like from like second half of the second round through round four i think or even round five i think there's a lot of talent to be to to be had okay so who are your who are your uh let's go just centers and guards who do you like like give give me some names all right so we can talk Uh, about them so matt hennessy out of temple Mm -hmm. uh i think uh late second or third round would be a really good pickup uh six four three oh seven um 32 inch arms so again little lighter than we like but the center position you could be that way um his athletic testing was very strong not quite as good as ruiz's uh he's the scheme that temple ran 
he didn't have to do a lot of heads up blocking on zero and one text. So that's an area that the film's just not really there on. But as far as being able to like trap, pull, uh, block in the zone, get to the second level, he's really able to handle that. Um, the only issue that I have with him is uh, he also sustains his blocks really well. So he's really mobile, really athletic, really good at sustaining, really good feet. It's just sometimes he gets his shoulders over his toes a little bit too much and he can lose balance when he's trying to anchor against a powerful like a zero or one tech. They they also temple runs like a um like a weird shifty line thing that they do. I don't know what to call it a slot like they and so he ends up running like this outside zone thing and he moves a lot. He's moving a lot when the play is going on. The thing that impressed me is that his balance is really good. Yep. Because like that that when you when you're mo- on the move like that all the time, you have to have really good balance or you're gonna get you're gonna fall on your at, uh, butt all the time. I'm trying really hard not to swear. Did you guys see that? Yeah. <laughs> so so he, he does nodded up on his face a lot. And you'll see that with some other center prospects where when they get to the outside, suddenly they look like they're like trying to dive for a slip and slide. That's yeah. not Matt Hennessy. Hennessy is a really good pass blocker. I would love to see him towards like round three. Around uh, I think round two would be a little bit of reach for me, but that that third compensatory pick, that'd be a really nice spot to get a, a Matt Hennessy or maybe even, uh, you know, if there's a series of tradebacks, almost anywhere towards the end of the third round, I'd love it. Um, super yeah. into it. And then a guy I value fairly similarly is Nick Harris out of Washington. The only issue I have with Nick Harris is he it would be like if Matt Hennessy was shrunk. <laughs> and so I directly prefer Matt Hennessy because a 6'4" center who can uh you know add on a little bit of good bulk is a lot uh you know plays much better in a power blocking uh down blocking situation or anchoring situation than a six one center who at 302 pounds you probably wouldn't expect him to be able to get up past about 310 without starting to lose some of that mobility that is what makes nick harris valuable Nick Harris, like, just he also just tested slightly worse mm-hmm. uh, across the board compared yeah, to Hennessy. He's just not quite as good Hennessy. So, yeah. like, <laughs> whatever, uh, you know, if Hennessy's I, like a mid shelf liquor, then like Harris I, is like the store brand Hennessy. I do like Harris, though, because, like, <laughs> just like Hennessy, he moves really good in space and can get out. And I think he would, I mean, in our power run scheme, I think Harris is just too small. Like just not big enough, but maybe but on some maybe. of the outside zone concepts that we run. And if we started to kind of prioritize some of that, he'd be a really good fit. So yeah. it's hard to say. I mean, both our centers on our roster right now are, are pretty big. That's, I don't know. It's just hard. It's hard for me to imagine. Well, except uh, Joey Hunt, Joey Hunt small. Yeah. <laughs> I don't count Joey Hunt. I'm talking about Posich and, and Britt, of course. <laughs> uh, okay. Those are the centers you like. What about the guards? Uh, so at guard, um, I think Jonah Jackson is great. His testing numbers aren't amazing, but when you watch him on tape, uh, you talked about playing with balance. This is a guy who never was on the ground. Mm-hmm. I watched a lot of snaps. I probably watched four or five games um, every offensive snap, and the dude just never ended up on the ground, even going back to his record days. He knows how to pop his hips and handle a bull rush. He's got good length on the interior. His technique is really good. He could add some strength and power, like he's not going to be a mauler in run blocking, but for what we ask for out of a left guard, I feel like he's a really good st- uh, scheme fit. Yeah, I agree. I agree with Jonah Jackson. His testing numbers are, it didn't like blow my mind. His vertical jump was 31st percentile. His broad jump was only 30th percentile, but he was really strong. The 28 reps. It's a nice, nice for how long his arms are. And uh, just looks like a, could be like a really solid, you know, round two, late round two, mid round three kind of guy that, um, yeah, just, I, I agree. Jonah Jackson tonight would be a nice pickup. He's a really good pass protector too. He's he's um, his technique wouldn't need a lot of refinement to, to have an impact right away. Jonah yeah. Jackson is the guy that I circled for a late round two or th- round three guy. Um, yeah. I like his size. Uh, he's a little narrow for run blocking, um, but pass blocking is something that this team's needed for a while. I feel like run blocking is something we can maybe manufacture. Uh, I don't know how true that is, but. Uh, it's something I'd like to see us move more towards. I think it would really help Russell Wilson in his career and us win ultimately. All right, Kevin, you got uh, one more guard. 
Uh, yeah, I, I well, I have a couple of people to mention, but one of them I don't have to go into. Um, Isaiah Wilson out of Georgia, who's a tackle. I could see him being a guy that they want to move into guard. I think he has athleticism to stick out at tackle, but I think it could be a plus guard. So I just want to drop his name here. But a guy who's a tackle who will convert inside to guard is Robert Hunt out of uh, University of Louisiana. And he's a guy, 6'5", 323. He has length, 33 and a half inch arms. He played right tackle, but he also played on the interior his first two years in college. Um, he has really good size. He has solid length. Um, he did his best work in quick sets on the outside, which is part of why it makes me think guard conversion is going to make a lot of sense. The big thing is, dude is a road grader. Like, he has tons of power. He's a nasty finisher. He'll drop you to the ground and then let you know he did it. Just a, mm-hmm. like an absolute mauler. Exactly. A dirt, a dirt bag? He, he's a real dirt bag there. <laughs> Eric, you'll, you'll love how much of a, of a dirt bag he is. Mm-hmm. He's the kind of guy who'll throw his kicker under the bus. Yeah, um, me and Mora, hand in hand. <laughs> that's exactly it. The, uh, he plays with good bend. Um, the, ol- like, the only issues that I see mostly come from playing on the outside his footwork um like that type of technique and his ability to get to like his landmarks as a tackle um are problematic i think on the inside the things that are a problem will get covered up a lot more because he just has less lateral space he has to play in yeah my thing is for him is that he missed all his athletic testing because he had a groin injury he missed the senior bowl missed the combine um so no one knows where he's at athletically which could mean he represents really good value kind of end of round three uh beginning middle beginning of round four as a guy that dropped because you know you can't check his medicals right now it's just too (laughs) it's like uh yeah i would say anywhere from pick 70 on i would be happy with him so even early round three i'd be very happy with him but i'm a little higher on him than i think a lot of other people are all right um a couple around uh two three four guys that i think um are worth mentioning um what if i told you there's a guy who did 27 bench reps 30 inch vertical nine foot broad jump had the 33 inch arms and did that all while weighing a stout 327 pounds kevin do you know who i'm talking about you're talking about my boy damian lewis yeah it's that's damian lewis damian lewis is um he's thick if we got him at 101 i prefer he's He's, thick with seven c's he's eric he's thicker than a bowl of cold oatmeal yeah he's a i i I like it better and um he has an edge to his game that i think it would makes him just kind of a really exciting prospect. He he looks like a guy who who uh, like Kevin said he he'll beat you and then remind you that he's beating you. Um, yeah, Damian Lewis is a big guy. I think that he's going to go kind of towards where we're picking at the end around three, and it looks like a uh, really good. And he just he's three hundred and thirty pounds, and he he carries it like he was born to be. 330 pounds you know he he's moves not... well at that size yes he does not he's not laborious in his movements yeah, it's like fluker where you know you could just tell this guy was he was meant to be a, a beefy boy another thing i like is that he kind of came out of nowhere he was a un undraft or unranked prospect that uh they kind of found and then he went to juco and and got got good you know got really made it and ended up on lsu won a national championship uh, tested really well athletically. I, I'm a big Damian Lewis uh, kind of fan here in the in the two three four range. Uh, other than that, you pretty much hit all of the guys that I was thinking I wanted to hit. I'm trying to see if there's anyone else that I want. Oh, Tyler Biadish. Um, oh, I was I th- thinking like he's be around. Uh, there's a couple guys if we're talking like that I think late he's round like, three or one of the round four picks. Yeah, he's like a rate. He's like, he'll be there around the end of the third round or maybe the beginning of the fourth. And I think he'd be a really um, good, he's played center for Wisconsin last year. Athletically profiles out in a way that I think the Seahawks would, um, would be, be looking at him. And uh, he's an elite move. run blocker. Yeah. So there's um, a guy. The only issue I had him with, it was balance. You would see him on his face a little bit more than I liked. Yeah, and, then, and his his lateral agility is is not well. That's why he's in the you know the round three slash four range. Not um, what could make that a value is his lateral mobility was impacted because he had a hip injury in 2019, and he played through the hip injury. Well, so if you get the player you saw in 2019, that's still pretty interesting and could be a starting center. But if you get the mobility that you saw before that, you could be picking yourself up a bit of a steal. 
I mean, in the last three years, his four football focus grades, 82.3, 86.7, 82.9. There's a pretty long track record of him playing really, really well. Um, he's just a, he's a, in run blocking. He's amazing. And I think that he'll, he'll continue, continue that in the NFL. The question is, can his lateral mobility hold up enough for him to also be a plus pass protector? And yep. another thing that bugs me is that, you know, when you watch tape on guys and then they're wearing like two knee braces, <laughs> Yes, he's that. And I, that always drives me nuts. I'm like, dude, you're a junior in college, man. Why are you wearing two knee braces? You know, maybe that's why yeah. I like him so much is as a fellow purveyor of poor knees. <laughs> I, I can I can just relate to him on a personal level. That's, He's, that's why his, I don't like that. His like um st- like stance and like where he puts his hands and stuff is all perfect, too. Uh, and he gets out to the second level really well, too. So um, there, there's my around three, kind of two, three, Maybe maybe four guys. Oh, I forgot oh, one guy, Kevin. I did want to talk about real quick, Natani Muti. That's the guy I was gonna say. Nice, oh, all right. perfect. All right. Um, do you like guys who do forty-four reps on the bench, have really good tape, but are injured for half of their entire college career? Because if you do, oh boy, I've got a guy for you. Yeah. If this is if I if I didn't know he was injured and I just flicked on the tape and just watched his play and then looked at his combine <laughs> stuff, I'd be like, hey, this guy's a first-round draft pick. That's the talent level that he shows. The problem is he can't stay on the field. So you're taking kind of a leap of faith that he's going to put it all together. He, he had a healthy freshman year, and then he missed like eight games. Or no, he, he missed almost the entire season, and then he missed eight games the next season. Like he had a, um, I think he had an ACL, and then he had an Achilles, a torn Achilles. It's it's not been a good injury history. He also only has 32 inch arms, which is uh, I don't know if you know this, but the Seahawk is on 33. So that's that's why he's inside. Something you can to, you, you can maybe do that at guard, but maybe, a tackle but at tackle. Fuck, he's fucking out. A tackle. Sorry, he's he's freaking out. A tackle is 34 inches, man. You got to it's even the Seahawk. The Seahawk moves an inch when we say a rookie number. You got to push yeah. those numbers up. Those are rookie numbers. Uh, <laughs> so last right. week we were. I was telling you who I like, what do you guys think of this? And you're like, he's way too injured. Do you just watch his tape? I said, yeah. So this week uh, I looked at some guards and I was thinking the exact same thing about Moody. I was like, this guy's really cool. I should, I should read up on his injury history. So I didn't bring him up this week. <laughs> you learned from last week when you were like, Hey, Cheyenne O'Grady's so good. I'm like, yeah, he just literally quit on Arkansas though. And you're like, Ooh, but it was funny. I reading <laughs> up. I was like, Oh, this guy's, this guy's uh he's marked pretty high. That means, uh, we're probably not going to go for him. We're probably going to get a late rounder guy, but you know, I want to read up on him and learn my lesson, fellas. <laughs> uh, I mean, his teammate said he ate it. He ate a ten by ten at, at In and Out. So I mean, that's pretty pretty legit. <laughs> yeah. All right. Can it's I talk meeting. about a guy who's being talked high, and I am not a believer, which okay, means we're going to pick him. Go All ahead. right, LSU center Lloyd Cushenberry. Okay. What don't so you Lloyd like Cushenberry? Six three, three twelve, thirty four inch arms. Lots of sea hockey numbers. Uh, the issue I have with him is his lateral quickness and mobility are poor. I mean, he skipped the three cone for a reason and all that stuff for a reason, Kevin. Because you could have done it with a friggin' sundial. Like this dude, his lateral mobility shows up as a problem on tape. And so you're going, okay, if, if your lateral mobility is a little rough, then I need a lot of power. And what I saw was a guy who can bring some power down blocking in the run game but he cannot use his power in the pass game he gives up a lot of space tons of ground to powerful zero techs and one techs um he so what you're getting is basically you are getting the downside of hennessy and harris along with biotish's balance in a guy who just doesn't technique wise do as well as any of those three guys i have a question for you did you watch any of his 2018 games I did. Because because I think that there something changed between it for him between 2018 and 2019. Yeah, the scheme Whereas, wasn't hiding him as much. Yeah, because 2018, I felt like he never lost in the in the uh, run game and like when you know when you just have to get your mitts into somebody and yep. overpower someone, he never lost. But in 2019, he started losing it a little bit in those situations, and I I think that Cushionberry is like a low ceiling high. Um, moderately high floor guy where he could be he could be solid but he'll if he makes a pro bowl i'd be pretty stunned well actually you know what i shouldn't say that because everybody makes the pro bowl if (laughs) if he if he puts up like an 
85 pro football focus rating in a year and just like dominates, I'd be pretty surprised. I think that he's pretty safe to be uh, somewhat effective, but yeah, I think that that's the kind of player too, that he's going to be all over the place on different people's boards. Yeah, I like, feel like somebody's going to take him in round two and I'm saying they're like, I'd take him 133. Yeah. That, that, but he ain't going to be there at 133. Pro football focus called him around four pick. So I think that they're with you, Kevin. I, and I, I tend to uh, err on this. I think if he was there at the end of the round three, I would be okay with that. But I know earlier than that, there's no reason for the Seahawks to take him. They know that he's not going to, he wouldn't have a good trench explosion formula. Yeah. The they, big thing is if Hennessy, Harris and Biotish are on the board, then Cushenberry is just not a consideration for me. And I feel like all of them are going to go pretty close together. All right, Kevin, what's our, uh, late, our late round guys. Give me a, let's hear some sleepers. I'm going to give you some of mine too. All right. Sleepers at center. None. No center. No so Daryl c- Williams, Jake Hansen, Zach Shackelford, Keith Ishmael, Cole Cabral. I looked at all of their tape. I looked at all of their numbers. I don't see a Seahawks fit among them. You might be able to convince me about Daryl Williams, but his size is just not what the team wants. It's a lot of guys who are a little smaller, or if they're not smaller, then they're just really, really low ceiling players that aren't presenting much of an upgrade over Joey Hunt. Okay, I think that's fair. That's just not much of an upgrade over Joey Hunt. Pass. Right. Who are some? uh, Who are some guards then? Mine are all guard. Mine are all guards too, because I lump all interior alignment into one pot. And but these guys are all guards that I picked too. All right. Opposite story at guard. Uh, So I'm going to run down a whole ton of names, and uh, Nathan, you tell me if there's any of them that stand out to you. I've got okay. John Simpson out of Clemson, Logan Stenberg out of Kentucky, Michael Onwenu out of Michigan, Ben Bredesen out of Michigan, Solomon Kindly out of Georgia, Cameron Clark out of Charlotte, Tyree Phillips out of Mississippi State. I have uh, Tremaine a- uh, Akram out of uh, Clemson. I have Danny Pinter out of Ball State. And I have Kevin Dotson out of Louisiana. Yeah, as I say, my, my top guy is... Uh... I think for me, there's a lot of those guys are good. Um, it's hard for me to just pick one. Um, Tyree Phillips is gigantic. He's 6'5", 331. That's He'd be another tackle pretty, to guard conversion, which appealing technique-wise is a question, but yeah, he's a mountain. Um, okay, let's still, if you want like a, a guy you can try to make better, like a, like a ball of clay, I like Dotson. Um, I think Dotson, he had a crazy run block grade last year. I think it was like 90-something. Let me look. 92.3, which is pretty insane. He played. He's played 800-plus snaps for four consecutive seasons. Um, he really seemed to, to make like a jump a little bit. The bad downside is he's 24 years old. So yep. You just wonder, like, is he capped out as kind of athletically? Um, I also uh, enjoy the tape of both Michigan guys, uh, Bredesen and, and Unwenu. Um, mm-hmm. I think I would slightly prefer Bredesen. Um, Bredesen's played, you know, 3,200 snaps. He has really good technique. Um, I mean, if you're picking a guy in the fifth or sixth round, if it, it's kind of would be weird because Bredesen feels like a guy you plug in and he just, there he goes. He's, he's ready to be kind of who he is already. I would say Stenberg's a lot the same way. Those are two guys where you just put them in and they're immediately solid starters. Um, one is more of the ball of clay. Uh, yeah. 344 pounds, 34 inch arms. Um, he's huge, just absolutely huge. It's just his hand technique is completely inconsistent. Yeah. And Michigan also like watching their tape last year is so annoying because you turn it on and you're like trying to focus on the offensive line and then Shea Patterson does something really stupid and you just get mad <laughs> and you're just like, oh, this, is why my, oh, this hurts to watch. Like, I don't like it. So, you know, that's, um, that's tough, but Anwehu, Anwehu, the thing I liked about him is that he is his power is ready for it's NFL ready. Uh, he he'll be fine this first year just because he's so strong. You know, he's a beefy boy. You know, he could join Phil Haynes. They could make the new beefy boys. And uh, th- another thing though is the, the the DTs that that Michigan faced last year, like all of them except Ohio State, were meh. So that's another yeah, thing to think about. You definitely about when had you're... to pick which games you're watching. Like when you're like Penn State, Ohio State. Okay, that's a legitimate test. 
everyone else. And when and Wenu Ruiz and when you're evaluating all three of those guys because they're all in this draft, Bredesen, Ruiz, and Wenu, you you have to think like, okay, these guys they're going against are they even close to NFL talent, or am I basically evaluating like what is the guy who's go to St. go to St. John's? All right, who's <laughs> John Simpson too? Really big, really really big. That's my John yep. Simpson review. All right, go ahead. Uh, also, John Simpson really slow. Yep, really, really slow. <laughs> okay, yeah, now go. Uh, okay, so one of my late, late guys I think is really interesting. So Danny Pinter out of Ball State, um, him and Kevin Dotson are guys who might be there with like that six-round pick, or Dotson might even be a UDFA. And uh, Pinter uh, has really good size. Um, he's really athletic. Uh, his length is kind of fringy. He barely has 32 inch. He has 31 and 7 eighths inch arms. He's really, really mobile. But he's a tight end to offensive tackle conversion, and he's going to have to convert from offensive tackle to offensive guard. And so that means, like, if we draft him in round six, he's going to spend a year just, like, eating gross ice cream, peanut butter, and, like, chicken milkshakes and try and gain 20 pounds. Did you see? Speaking of that, did you handle it? Did you see that? The draft where they had the guy make the, the Ben Barch made that Gatorade milkshake. I was like, that is disgusting. And he put red Gatorade in it. Right down my draft board too. Just, (laughs) I I knocked him down one rank just for that. Yeah. And and I'm going to apologize to anyone who's listening with headphones. Cause I, I don't know if you heard when I bumped my head into the microphone right there. Did you hear that? hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to try to edit that out, but if I don't, sorry in advance. (laughs) <laughs> actually sorry in the past because i guess it's i'm not ahead of it anymore <laughs> not happening so i think he'd be an interesting guy as someone who could uh improve uh yeah. or the other one is uh some of these other tackle conversions like yes here durant out of missouri or justin heron out of wake forest or cam or cameron clark out of charlotte they could end up converting inside and their athleticism would play up a lot inside because they're kind of fringe tackle prospects. But if you're not asking them to deal with outside speed rush, then their mobility is less of a concern and they could end up sticking. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I think that that's uh, basically it. Uh, did you, Oh, did you watch Tyler Higby, Kevin? Yes. I thought that like it, it was inter- more interesting than I expected. Um, Tyler Higby, yeah, the Michigan State guy. Um, just because, like, from a UDFA's perspective, he's not going to get drafted. But like, he played left tackle and left guard, and I thought like didn't embarrass himself in either position. And he has long arms, which I think the C, like I said, the Seahawks just walk around with a measuring tape. <laughs> that's all they. That's all they care about. Um, so okay, that's it. Lloyd Cush- oh, and Kevin, do you know why they're going to draft Lloyd Cushenberry? Have you seen the size of his hands? He's got big hands, big long yeah. arms, big hands. Yeah, he has uh, 10 and 3 eighth inch He's hands. compensating for something, and that's something he's compensating for is talent. No, being Ooh. fast. He's 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 not untalented. <laughs> he's just slow. Um, he's a bit of I a just, plotter. Yes. That's a, he probably beat me in a foot race, maybe. Actually, I'm not even sure. Um, what Did he did he run the 40 at the? 5 two, at the seven. Con- Mm, yeah, he's probably got me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so to put yeah. this in perspective, his athletic testing numbers on the few things he did were slightly better than uh, Adams out of Washington. Yeah, but to tackle's different than guard. You can be slower and play guard. I want more. Uh, I want the bursty stuff. I want the broad, the vertical, the bench. The stuff um, he didn't do because he also wouldn't have tested that good. Yeah, yes. Um, he, yes. <laughs> you are correct. Uh, all right. So. <laughs> I don't have anything else to say. Eric, you got anything? uh, Where do you guys fall on the the old local boy, Calvin Throckmorton out of Oregon? Uh, I think that he has a shot at sticking as a really solid, like, plug-and-play C-average, C-minus guard who could stick around the NFL as, like, a fringe starter backup for about 10 years, and Nathan hates him. I don't say I hate him. I just feel like (laughs) he's going to get drafted. Yes, I would take him in the seventh without even thinking about it. I think he's going to get drafted way earlier than that. How about that? You like you like this call? Um, one thing that's weird about Throckmorton, go did you like know this? Fifth? He played 700 snaps at right tackle last year and 189 snaps at center. Yep. I think he's going to get drafted early, and his combine is his combine is terrible. 
Like I cannot stress how bad this combine is. Okay, here um, we go. All of the Oregon he, offensive he linemen very... <laughs> were like the most middling mayonnaise and cheese sandwich off uh, uh, athletic testing in the world. So you start it, I saw six it five three seventeen, and you're like, great. 32 and a half inch arms, nine and a half inch hands. Then he 10 yard split, eighth percentile, three cone drill, 29th percentile, broad jump, 26th percentile, branch press, 34th percentile. Just didn't live up to the, I think, the expectations that you would have for an NFL. Put some Lloyd Cushenberry numbers. Athlete. Lloyd Cushenberry, <laughs> Lloyd Cushenberry decided to hide. Smart. Chalvin Throckmorton probably should have thought about doing that too. Yeah, uh, man, went to, man went to Oregon. If he could have gotten into Stanford, he would have. I mean, I just think his agility is <laughs> bad. That's like a low he's a blow, Kevin. He's just not. I don't. Um, he's tw- and he's twenty four, dude. He's super old. I don't. I don't know. Not for me. <laughs> not, <laughs> no, that's fair. Seventh round, yes, actually, seventh round, I'm fine with. But I think that in terms of where I, where he is going to get drafted i think he's gonna get picked in like the fifth round and i'm not interested at that point i think all those oregon players i think the three oregon interior offensive linemen are all really interesting sixth and seventh round guys and really unappealing fourth and fifth round guys that's uh lemieux hansen and uh throckmorton yeah so uh all right let's get into our uh our patreon plug here we go money zone there are many ways to support the cxness podcast but you can be like new april patreon jason and join our our cxness patreon there's a discord yeah, big baller, jason i would say discord is the primary benefit this is why you're signing up to talk to us in a group chat all the time uh and we'll, we'll live voice chat during the draft next week yeah during the draft next week we're going to go off the cuff on discord only uh gonna do like three hours prop more probably is because we're gonna do it till it stops and we're gonna keep doing it i'm not gonna record because i want to be able to swear if i'm mad (laughs) 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 you like that you like you you like that plan this is the all Uh, earmuffs edition yeah so so uh you could be like timothy james lucas carrie tom brandon nick frank bob richard kieran mike brett flockman keith michelle brian be like them join the patreon Get in the Discord, start chatting it up. Tell us your favorite kind of Apple, because that's the content that we want. Uh, and then we'll give you in exchange some content that you want. <laughs> yeah, when when good apples are on sale, let us know what store they're on sale at. You know, yeah, like we, we got a we got an Apple yeah. market going. If you if you tell us uh if you tell us, you know, like uh Bug Night and Honeycrisp at Safeway. Then I'm going to Safeway. We're, or we're I'm gonna put some, it we're some Honeycrisp. I'm gonna go put in an Instacart order for Safeway instead of doing a, whatever I was doing before. Okay. All right. <laughs> Movie, movie club. Uh, we recommend one thing that you can watch. Kevin, I'm gonna give you the leadoff spot today. Kevin, what's your uh, what's your recommendation for for us to watch? All right, I on... think I have to say it because it came out on Friday, and nice. I've been talking it up forever. So I'm gonna do a package of movies because uh, my man Bong, director Bong, Bong Joon Ho, uh, Parasite, The Host. I did and this last mother? week, the day I before thought, it came out. Yeah, you said it was going to come out. I'm telling you, it's out. <laughs> By the time anyone you, listened you to did, that, it was out. You did a future. I don't care what you were hoping to do. Kevin is in the now. <laughs> okay, um, I'm going to tell you. You can set this up with the future. I just like, Shoplifters is I just also like, on. I just like that. I, I think it actually works because you're. It's like a. You should watch this. No, really, you should watch this. <laughs> you know, like it's um. Cause like it's it's that good. It You're is right, that good. Kevin. What what four movies did they put on? Watch it, Eric. What? F- What's that? say what? Wouldn't you agree now, Eric? Yes, I would. It. Now yeah. I would agree. Yeah. So it's Parasite, the host, not the ghost host. or ghost dad, um, and mother are all on there. The last one is called Barking Dogs Never Bite. It came out in two thousand. It is. Uh, his like it's like his uh first feature length movie. And I will tell you right now, if you are one of those people who uh, um, cannot handle like seeing bad things happen to animals, don't watch this movie. It will it, you you'll just be immediately turned off. And I would also say like watch Parasite, watch Mother, watch the Ho- all three of those are really good. Parasite's the best of them, but watch those and then try Barking Dogs Never Bite because like you can see what he's going to become. But if that's the first one you watch, it is by far the weakest of the four. In my okay. opinion. Okay. All right. Uh, 
I'll do mine now. Um, I've been watching all shows with my wife, uh, and uh, your wife. We we watched the yeah. show on Netflix. It's nailed it. Have you guys seen this show? <laughs> no, it's it not my kind of thing. Uh, but it's like a competition cooking show where they like they'll show them like something that was made by like a really good sh- chef, and it's like really cool. And then they'll give them the recipe and how, and like <laughs> tell them how to make it. And then they try to make it, and it always turns out like the worst and it i don't know why but i find this i find this show so funny to just like watch these people try to make these cakes because i can just imagine the kind of panic attack i'd be having and then and there's an episode with paul shear in it which is i love paul shears that kind of that's kind of what actually got me to try to watch it and then i just i just kept watching it after that because it's just funny so yeah nailed it there you go that's my uh my suggestion eric what you got would you call that a guilty pleasure nathan uh, no, I have no, I have, I feel no guilt about the things I enjoy. Good for you. Good for you. Yeah, I mean, I like, I watch a lot of trashy stuff. I watch The Challenge. That's like one of my favorite TV shows. I don't care. Like, <laughs> hey, hey, man, I watched uh, probably about three hours total of Ninety Day Fiance after making fun of it, and now I make fun of it and laugh. So, uh, it's that show's hilarious. With the, it, what it, are you it, watching the current season? Uh, I what, think what's, so. What's up with that dude with no neck, dude? That's right. Like, <laughs> the thumb. Are you a thumb? <laughs> Yeah, this is this is this is probably where the podcast is going in the coming weeks. Um, <laughs> that that guy, I like how he was like, I he said, okay, this is my favorite part of this, he, that episode. Is he said, uh, you got to shave your legs or you got to give me a kiss. And she was like, oh, I'm gonna go. Sh-. And she just like walked out of the bed and went get in the shower and started shaving her legs. And I was just dying. I'm like, oh my gosh. She was like, I guess I'm shaving my legs then. Yeah, when someone says he's got game, it's the opposite of that. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Um, so uh for me, oh man, there's a director named Bong Jun Ho. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> well, so, uh letter Kenny guys. Putting a putting a exclamation point right by my uh by my underlined sentence there, I see. I uh I'll I'll check in with more of the nerd facet cuz that's what I do. Uh we just we just passed the 30 year anniversary of the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Still the mm-hmm. best Turtles movie. Um god forgive me i still think it holds up <laughs> i love it as long as you don't watch the mouths move on the puppets too much it's awesome uh that's on netflix and i'm also checking in with a couple um spooky ish tv shows trying to start finish lock and key uh it's a weird show i don't really know if i can recommend it yet and i'm also trying to finish up sabrina the teenage witch which you think oh eric is that with a talking cat uh no no this is the more adult version it's still geared probably more towards uh, like young adults, uh, probably towards women. I don't care. I think it's pretty good. It's really dark, and I'm halfway through season two, and I enjoy it. Uh, you watching Tales from the Loop, Eric? No, no, I'm not. Not a uh, not on my radar. Uh, that's that's like the uh, Amazon Spookies. Like they're trying to do like a um, Black Mirror kind of thing. Huh. It's it's um it's fine. A lot of that stuff hit or miss, man. There's lore. The first, I I've, only the first, I've only seen the first episode, so I'm willing to. And then I, I will say this: at the end of the first episode, I was like, I'm willing to give this more chances, but it needs to get, it needs to get better. I was okay. not over. I'm going to throw in a bonus here. Oh yeah, because we uh, we've been doing like uh, we've been we've been hitting Hulu because we all agree Hulu's underrated, especially for movies. And you but get it for free really with Disney TV. Plus and the Schwam. Only right. only fourteen dollars a month. Twelve ninety nine. Um. So on Amazon Prime, uh, which I think has also very good movie selection, uh, a classic that you may not have seen, 1940s His Girl Friday. It's an old Howard Hawks movie with Cary Grant and Rosalind Russell. And it's funny. It's clever. It's funny. It's old timey. It's only 92 minutes. Um, It's uh, on Canopy, which you can get with your library card or... Um, I think Voodoo has it for free this month, too. But it's just kind of like this cheeky, funny, oddball movie where if you if you want to if you want to check out an old black and white flick and just kind of enjoy it and kick back, it's um, it's an older movie that is just kind of a fun watch. All right. There you go. Lots of suggestions there. So for Kevin Garber, for Eric Ronnebeck, we will see you next week. Go Hawks.
my friends with me. 